and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the podcast, we have the second episode of uh, Live in the Vineyard series here in Napa, where tons of great musicians uh, come into Napa, uh, play, uh, play some really uh, impactful uh, acoustic uh, sets. And uh, for an intimate small crowd, we're going to bring some of those, uh, uh, some songs from some of those sets to you guys today. All right. Sounds like fun. And we've talked about before. Um, you know, how much fun uh, that event is and how exclusive it is. And, you know, it's a real pleasure that we can, you know, bring this. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for, uh, for those who haven't heard before, how Live in the Vineyard works is that you can't buy tickets to uh, the event. You can only win them from like radio stations, and other, other um, sponsors that are, are out there. Uh, so uh, people are uh, flown in from across the country and um, to Napa to see these uh, these really cool performances and be on vineyards and have, you know, some great food and, uh, and wine and all the great things that Napa has to offer. Um, and uh, it's funded by sponsors uh, of the event, like Southwest Airlines and uh, um, and others that have been able to support the endeavor for the past ten years. Yeah, it's been going on for a while, yes. um, and and it's become a kind of a nice tradition for us um, to you know try to make it to these events and uh, you know grab some footage. They occur twice a year right about every six months yeah it's usually twice a year so i think um in the may time frame and um and also in november so i wasn't able to go to all of the events for uh for live in the vineyard this year because of uh, uh, commitments to being with my kids and um and also duck hunting uh, Duck hunting responsibilities. Have you um, have you presented uh, some of your acoustic uh, quacks for us here on the I, show? I have not, nor will I uh, anytime uh, soon. So uh, I think I think you should just give us a little hint of one. You don't have to do a full on, you know, bird call here, but maybe just a little. Maybe, maybe a little later. Uh, <laughs> I don't no, have right, I don't have right, the right. calls on me right now. They're, All right, I'll work on you. Are, I'll work on you. I think they're done. The fans are expecting this. Okay. Yes, I'm sure they <laughs> but, are. They're gonna. But talking about talking about duck hunting, um, you know what? I I don't know a whole lot about the whole thing. You know, I figured it was just like any other sport where you go, you know, and you and you buy the equipment, and um, you know, if if you lose something or something gets old you just go and replace it right but yeah. you sent me this photo of all these decoys yeah. all these duck decoys like these made out of i don't know what are they made out of wood plastic they're mostly plastic uh yeah they're, they're made out of plastic and you know and they're all white and i'm like what are all these ducks doing in white is steve painting them white and like yeah do they shed yeah. <laughs> talk about that what is that all about so uh we got a a slew uh 150, um, and then others that we've got from other locations as well. So we have over 200 decoys that we are contributing to uh, to this venture. Um, my buddies and I got a rice blind um, out past Sacramento, and um, and we uh, we want to make we want to put all of the decoys out and make it look legit like a closed zone 
where um, where birds are um, are comfortable to land in. They don't. They're not skeptical at all. They're like, ah, lots of my friends are here, so I'm gonna come hang out in this place. This is this is Kush. This is where where it's at, right? That's what we want to do. And so we're taking uh, a lot of the decoys that we have are mallard ducks, and we're taking them and painting them into different types of uh, duck styles, like. Uh, I mean, ge geese actually, snow geese. Um, well, that, those are the white ones you're talking about. We're going to be painting some as widgeon, some as coots, the, the bottom feeder ducks, and um, and all of that stuff. So, um, so that's kind of what we're doing. And, it, and to what you've seen, I mean, you've seen it's a process, right? It is a process. Yeah, I thought this was. You know, at first you went out and bought a bunch of white ducks, and I couldn't really figure it out. But then I saw um, that there were a bunch of also solid color ducks in a very and a much darker color like a dark gray or brown or something the, the black ones are the coots yeah the, the black ones yeah. right but that thing was multicolored. they were all single colored so far so the ones that we've done those are the easy ones so far but the the widgeon are going to be pretty intricate like i've been watching videos on how to paint the widgeon and it's a you know multi-step process so we're going to kind of try and assembly line it so one person will do this step the next person will do this step you know and uh, and kind of work it down the line so we can get these uh these ducks complete in time for our goal to have them wrapped up um next week and take them out to the the blind before the blind is flooded um interesting okay so it's not like you have to be super intricate with your colors on all of these ducks no the, the geese it's are just, just white i mean and but then i put a, a black tail uh, at the end and uh, and paint their bill kind of magenta with some white in, in it uh, speckled in it so it uh um you know so it looks like a and, and then color in its eyes a little bit so that's that's pretty easy the coot is just a black duck so we're gonna paint um uh, i think we paint have to paint the bills white um on the the coots uh, that's that's, that's going to be pretty easy but some there are some ducks that are more intricate that we'll need in there as well and that's that's just going to take time that's interesting see the, the, my first thought was okay these are all made out of wood um and you know maybe the colors fade over time so what you were doing you were sanding them all you were sanding them all down you were priming them on white then you were putting the you know black color on there and then you're going to go with the paintbrush and put all the you know colors that are specific to whatever no. You know, whatever duck you're trying to mimic. We're not trying to make them perfect. We just want to make them uh, uh, good, you know, so uh, right. so it is believable to uh, a duck that's flying by. Or gotcha. So so that's the goal, and that's what cool. we're doing. And, yeah, uh, working on that over a couple of week periods. So. Yeah, I and mean, it looks pretty kind of backbreaking. You gotta be, yeah, kneeled over, bent over, like the painting these things, and kind of stretch yourself out a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> on the ground, so you're, you're just lots of movement, and uh, yeah, and you gotta be flexible. <laughs> so how are you? How are you feeling about your art skills? I mean, you've had to do quite a bit of, like refinishing and painting and stuff because of this. Oh, I don't like have the, art the kayaks. Art you know, yeah. you had to paint that. Oh, that's a good point. And the kayak, I mean, I, I'm getting better. I'm getting more comfortable, but I definitely don't see myself as artistic in any sense. I mean, no one's... You're not going to paint a Van Gogh anytime soon? I don't think that's going to happen, no. no. Yeah, all right. I am... Um, well, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> learning. I'm learning right now, so I'm good. Yeah, cool. Okay. Reading instructions. So you, you sir, are taking a... Uh, uh, is it a day trip next week? Uh, what is it? What's your plan? Yeah, this date just sort of came really quickly. I didn't even realize it was uh, this event was next weekend until 
maybe half an hour ago. But um, for years, when I say years, maybe, you know, two years. Yeah. I've been really looking forward to going um, down to Southern California and watching a rocket launch. Yeah. And um, recently, maybe a month or two ago, I don't remember exactly how long it was ago, I was in uh, Half Moon Bay um, with my wife and a friend of ours. And um, we were at a restaurant. And I went outside. I had to get something from the car. I don't remember. But I, I saw a, uh, a rocket that must have taken off two or three minutes before I had gone outside. Okay. Um, and you could see, I mean, you could see clearly that there was a rocket flying yeah. into space. And there was, a, there was a special kind of cue, or I don't know what it was, but it, it looked bizarre. I mean, it definitely looked like nothing else. It definitely looked like it couldn't have been anything else except maybe a UFO or something. There's no way it could have been an airplane or a shooting star or yeah. a satellite flying around. You know, I mean, it was really weird and cool looking. It looked like this. It was too high to see the flames, but but the but the uh, the formation of the formation of the atmosphere or something that was yeah. being created by the launch kind of looked like angel wings. This was like last was, month or something, right? This was like a month ago. Yeah, yeah. I saw that same thing. Yeah, because I was out at a concert with uh, with my girlfriend, and we were looking in the sky, and it was just yeah. it was the weirdest thing. It's uh, the weirdest thing. It's really hard to explain, right? Like a shooting yeah, star or something, but it's you know is stagnant and more stagnant in place or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, and I didn't think we'd be able to see that this far up north, yeah, uh, because these things take off at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Um, here in California, which is probably good, I don't know, what, six hours away or so? Um, so I was surprised to see it. So uh, I, I was looking at the calendar to find out when the next launch was going to be uh, that I would have time to go to, you know, on one of my days off, and that is going to be next Monday. So the launch, I just looked it up again just to make sure that it's still happening because these launches often get delayed because of, you know, whatever. Um but it's still happening. So November 19th, um, the launches I'm specifically interested in are the SpaceX flights um, because uh, they are starting to land the first stage part of the rocket back in the area that it launched from. Yeah. Um, so to watch you know, the, the booster fall back down to Earth and land is pretty spectacular. Um, so I'm going to try to catch all that. It's happening in the morning, uh, 10.32 a.m. on Monday. So I'm going to go down on Sunday and then just do an overnight. Yeah. Um, in, oh, there's this cute Scandinavian village. I always forget the name of it down there. It's, it's pretty close to the, to the launch site. Um, oh, you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll take your word for it. No. <laughs> Scandinavian Solvang. Solvang. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar. <laughs> so okay. it's, it's really cute. It's really, really, really cute. If you ever want to kind of get a little taste of what Scandinavia might be like, but you don't want to fly all the way over there, yeah. go to Solvang. Um, it's a cool place to hang out. Great pancakes. Okay. So yeah, I'll, um, I'm going to go to that and then I'll just kind of, you know, report my experience or maybe we can do a podcast from there or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. So, I mean, like. so just for those at home, I mean, what do you expect uh, to see uh, from that rocket launch? Like, what do you, you're going to go there, it's going to launch, and then you turn around, or is are there other stuff around it? Like, what what does this look like to you? What's, what's that excitement? 
Well, it's, I think it's a little bit like horse racing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of waiting yeah. <laughs> or driving or commuting. You know, you've got to go to the, you know, you've got to drive or fly or whatever to the, the horse race event venue. Right. And then, and then you sit there and, uh, you know, you wait for the race and the whole thing is like 30 seconds or a minute, you know, <laughs> and the rocket launches are kind of like that too. It's, it's only five minutes or something and then it's done. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, it's a lot of driving, you know, it's like 12 hours of driving just for five minutes, but it's supposed to be just absolutely amazing. I've seen so many videos and, um, you know, everybody says kind of the same thing. There's, there's no comparison between seeing photos or watching videos and actually experiencing the event. You know, you get the sonic boom uh, and all that. Um, one of the disadvantages of Vandenberg is that it's uh, it's an Air Force base, so it's all kind of, you know, locked down and, and secured. So you can't you can't see the launch pad and then you can't see the la- a landing pad, but you can get close enough to it where, um, where, uh, you'll get to, you know, see it just moments after it, it launches. Uh, the other big disadvantage is the California coastline and all the fog that comes in. Yes. So it could be, it could be quite foggy. So if that's, so if you that's might not case, see anything at all, then I might not see anything at all. So I might have to, you know, go up into the hills or something farther away from the coast so I can get out of the fog and, uh-huh. and you know, see it as it gets higher up. So there's some big disadvantages with California launches. Most of them have also uh, happened at night mm-hmm. at just crazy, you know, hours late at night or early in the morning. Um, so this is the first one in quite a while that's happening during the day um which will be which will be nice uh and the other thing is um you know a lot of people say enjoy enjoy the launch enjoy the landing yeah don't take pictures don't take video because the whole thing happens so quickly and there are experts out there that post stuff online and you can just you know watch that stuff later is that your plan because i mean you're so good at bringing video content back for the podcast i know i think you should really continue that trend is that you're the breaking of that that mold right you're the one who's like i can bring great content back you know i don't need to listen to you <laughs> there's hope for me Naysayers. yet there's hope for me yet this time i'll make sure i don't cover uh-huh. you know half of the microphones on the device that i'm recording this with right. um to get some you know good sound at least uh-huh. so i don't know so i'll 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 bring a tripod. How about that? I'll bring a tripod. I'll point the yeah. camera in the general direction. And I'll hit record, and then um, we'll see what what the footage looks I, like I'd say later. Take your GoPro, but I have your GoPro, so uh, <laughs> come, come get your uh, GoPro. It's all good. It, so. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'll see what I can do. There you go. Okay. That's the Jens commitment right there for the podcast. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. No <laughs> promises. At the very least, I'll, I'll take some pictures of the pancakes that I had for breakfast. That's, that'll be just as good. You, you can frame that pancake up. It's not going to go out of your line of vision too far. It won't be talking back. You know, you won't have to. I just have to make sure to take the – it's a little complicated because I have to make sure I take the photo before I eat it. Yes, that is the you challenge. Know, and it might happen where I, where I eat the pancake and then realize, oh shit, I was supposed to take a photo of it. And then it's an after picture. So yeah, I'll just take a photo of somebody else's pancake. It'll be fine. There you go. So <laughs> so that's fun. That'll be good. We'll report back yeah. next week on that. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so let's get into some of the content for this podcast. So as I said, we have a we have a handful of performances from live in the vineyard that we're going to sprinkle in. Uh, no. Uh, interview again for this episode. Uh, just a lot of a lot of music here for you. So um, 
I'll break down who we're going to have on the, the program. Um, we have Rita Wilson, um, that is uh, uh, Tom Hanks' wife, right? Uh, and uh, she played live in the vineyard. Um, I interviewed her last earlier in the year when she played Yonville Live, uh, and so she's she's been on the podcast. We also have Patrick Droney, uh, Jewel. Uh, they uh, they brought Jewel back from the nineties. That's right. Jewel came back from the nineties. She stepped out of the nineties time capsule, and there she was. Yes, uh, Emily singing all of her nineties stuff. Emily Bear and then Andres uh, Moss. Uh, so, uh, so let's play a couple of songs first from a couple of those artists. We'll we'll just put them back to back and then we'll we'll break back in. Uh, we're gonna play a song from Andres Moss uh, that uh, he played live in the Vineyard, the Saturday show, and um, just a, a little bit of information about Andres is. Um, he uh, he was a Dove Award-nominated Swedish recording artist and songwriter, best known for his singles uh, Dead Come to Life, um, and uh, he's been applauded for his creative approach to music. Um, he's So he's he's been around. He's an up-and-comer. Up this was kind of an up-and-comer evening that they had on, on this uh, Saturday evening of, of Live in the Vineyard, where Friday was the more um, stream, mainstream um, evening. So... Um, so we're going to play a song from him called uh, Lonely, and then uh, we will also play a song from uh, Emily Bear uh, called uh, FOMO. That is, the fear, that is the fear of missing out, Jens. So uh, here it is. Uh, let's check out some music from Live in the Vineyard.
Emily Bear 
here on Concert Pipeline. And a little bit about Emily Baer, just uh, while we're talking about it. She also performed on the Saturday evening of Live in the Vineyard. Um, and uh, and that was the evening that I got to go to for uh, for part of it. But again, I was going out duck hunting the next morning. So, uh, so I had to retire pretty early. But her performance was really, really good. Uh, she's a 17-year-old pianist. Uh, and uh, has been doing this like her whole life. She was on Ellen when she was six years old. Um, that's where my mom knew her from. Um, mm. And uh, and so that was a, obviously a big break for her, uh, but, uh, but she hasn't been slowing down. She's uh, worked with Quincy Jones. Um, he produced uh, some of her jazz compositions and, um, and also I think was involved in her first album, Diversity. Um, and yeah, and she, like her fingers on that piano, Jens, like move, and, like you know, I'm, my fingers are spazzing right now a little bit, like right, right, like faster than that. Like I don't know what, like, like how the brain waves connect to the fingers, like like she was was doing there, but it was, it was yeah, those electric, those electrical impulses are firing firing so rapidly, like you know, like seizure fingers. It's like crazy. Yeah, it was seizure fingers for sure. I mean, but it was it was really great. I mean, really impressive perf uh, performance. And she's just a teenager. She's like, she's like singing about things. And I'm like, how have you done all this with your life already? And you're only mm. 17, right? Like, I don't, right. It's it's pretty impressive. And so it was cool that they had a, you know, had her play. She played a you know grand piano just by herself, and uh, and uh, uh, it was a fun performance. So. Nice. Um, and she, at the age of six, she played uh, at the White House for President George W. Bush. Um, wow! I mean, what an she, honor. Yeah, she's performed symphonies. Uh, she's in, you know, worked with orchestras. She's she's done she's done a, a ton. So yeah, um, and that's so cool. You know, as a kid, you know, when I was when I was a kid around that age, I remember. Uh, I went to Washington, D.C., and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't get to see the president, but we saw the White House and stuff, and I didn't know anything about Democrats or Republicans or anything. I just thought being really close to the president was just awesome. Um, uh, so, you know, good for her. What a great experience to have as a young kid. Yeah, so that was uh, that was really really cool. Um, let's play a couple more perf uh, performances from Live in the Vineyard, um, and we're going to uh, showcase two more artists that that played Live in the Vineyard. Uh, this first one, uh, his name is Patrick Droney, uh, and uh, and he was uh, also a part of that up and comer evening uh, with with Live in the Vineyard. And then, like I said, Jewel. We're going to have uh, uh, a song song by Jewel. Um, she played uh, one of the VIP events, uh, and uh, and I guess she talked a lot through her her set as well. Told her story about how she lived in a van and uh, uh, up in down by the river. Yep, exactly. I was waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and had to struggle to make it and and everything and uh, and uh, then obviously she became really big in the 90s and uh, mm. was really popular so um, it's a song by, by Patrick Journey that we're gonna play is uh, uh, I don't know the name of it offhand so we're but we're gonna do that and then play hands by jewel so here are a couple of songs from live in the vineyard uh, here at concert pipeline I'm close. I'm close. I know you're coming. 
time it's gonna take For you to feel like you again I wonder if I'm seeing colors yet And if your spirit needs a time to keep down Cause if it does, I can hold you tight enough Don't you forget me for a minute long No, you got a heart though But you wear it like a morning robe
times like these I won't be made useless I won't be made idle with despair I'll gather myself around my faith For light does the darkness most fear by Jewel on Concert Pipeline. And uh, so, Jens, it's, we've come to the time in the podcast where uh, we're going to shed some information onto our listening audience's ears. What is it? It's time for our music news segment. That is right. Okay, uh, so we each have a couple of stories to, to share before we wind up the podcast. Um, first off uh, is Aerosmith's Joe Perry. He was rushed to the, the hospital 
Um, he collapsed backstage following a special guest appearance at Billy Joe's Madison Square Garden concert on sa- uh, Saturday. And he was treated by paramedics in a dressing room uh, for 40 minutes and required a tracheal tube in his throat before he was taken to a local, local hospital. Um, TMZ, wow. yeah, TMZ reported that he, he collapsed after he concluded his guest appearance with Joel, where they performed Walk This Way. Uh, which Billy, continuing the show, unaware of Perry's condition backstage, he didn't even know. So this didn't even happen on stage or anything, luckily. I mean, it didn't, you know, uh, it wasn't... Right. Uh, he was able to handle the stuff without, you know, scaring the whole audience and affecting the, the show. Um, the, his publicist sent a statement out on Sunday morning uh, following a guest uh, performance by uh, during Billy Joe's show last night at Madison Square Garden, Joe Perry experienced shortness of breath and was treated backstage by paramedics who gave the guitarist oxygen and used a tracheal tube to clear his airwaves before taking him to the hospital. This morning, Perry remains in the hospital where he's alert and responsive. Um, he will be unable to appear today at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp in Florida and apologizes to those attending. He's expected to return to the road later this month, so he's going to take a little wow. bit of time frightening yeah and of course there's video of his performance walk this way with uh, billy joel if you want to see that i don't know if there's any signs in uh, <laughs> d- of what's to come but you know life on the road man it's a uh, it's a bitch yeah well i hope it isn't something you know crazy serious and it's just kind of a one-time occurrence yeah hopefully you know whatever it is hopefully he can get back Awful. to it and he's okay so um, yeah yeah, we want him to be able to uh, walk this way, right? <laughs> we want him to be able to walk. <laughs> oh, poor Joe. Hey, we're thinking about you, man. Yep. All right, you got a story. Hit us, Jens. Yeah, I do. All right. Um, let's talk about Lincoln Park. Okay, I think we should do that. Lincoln Park. Hey, these guys. I remember these guys fondly. Um they have passed a landmark number with their um, video uh, for their 2003 track "Numb." Okay. What so is we're th- talking about number of views. They have passed a well-rounded number of views on YouTube. It's well-rounded for their it? 2000. Well-rounded for their 2003 track "Numb." Okay. You want to think of, you want to come up with a, a number, well-rounded number? A uh, hundred billion. A hundred billion? Yeah. Not quite, not quite. Maybe in another hundred years, but not quite yet. But billion is good. Okay. I'll go with that. Okay, we'll go Why don't that. we start small? Why don't we start small? Okay. How about one? One, good. Good, one billion. That's insane, right? One billion likes. Is is it likes or, or it's just views, right? Views, sorry. Okay. One billion views. Uh, yeah, there's a difference, right? Okay. One billion views on YouTube for this uh, for this track. That's Yeah, that is a, a lot of views. I mean, that uh, and that song, I mean, apparently people really resonate with that. But it's, like, it's impressive that they're continuing to reach landmarks even after losing, you know, Chester recently, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, so they just re- uh, revealed this uh, milestone to their fans online, and they're saying thank you for all the support over the years. Uh, the clip itself was filmed in the Czech Republic, uh, specifically in the capital of Prague. And 
Uh, whatever. Yeah, stuff. Stuff, lots of stuff. Good job, Lincoln Park. Good job, Lincoln Park. Yes. Um, Iron Maiden, Jens, is bringing the Beast to North America. Uh, They are. Yeah, so they've shared some exciting news uh, with American and Canadian fans that they're going to be coming over to North America for the next leg of their uh, Legacy of the Beast tour. Um, Starts in Florida uh, in July of next year, and... Uh, we'll wrap up in September um, in uh, in Texas. So Bruce Dickinson uh, had this to say. We're excited to return to North America and share the Legacy of the Beast Tour with all our friends there. We're immensely proud of this show, and we've had great reactions uh, from the many fans who came to see us in Europe earlier this year. Uh, productions based on their mobile game, The Legacy of the Beast. Uh, so Iron Maiden has their own mobile game, which is uh, interesting. So what what kind of mobile game would a band like that have? I don't know, but they have such they're such a visual band that they can yeah. they can do anything. So and with that, I, I mean, mean, it's got to be full of death themes and stuff. I'm sure you know. I mean, there's. I, I remember all these people back in the '80s wearing Iron Maiden shirts, and they all looked badass. Yeah, they all looked really intimidating Dude, just I, because they had these shirts on. I mean, they could have been the nicest people on the planet, but they all looked just badass. With these cut off. Iron Maiden shirts. I mean, I, I was pretty cool when I used to wear my Iron Maiden sh- uh, shirt back in <laughs> like 15, 15 years ago. <laughs> you still have it? Uh, I, I don't know. I may, uh, but I might not. I don't know. I, I have. If you put it, if, if you put it back on, don't worry, Steve. You'll be badass again. Oh, you can relive that time. I really want to be badass again, so uh, maybe I'll start yeah. wearing it again. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, but they got a whole stage uh, p- uh, planned. I mean, they're going to take their fans through different worlds and experiences to set appro- to appropriate songs. Uh, so there's, there's going to be lots of crazy things going on. A replica Spitfire plane dominating the stage. Um, tons of pyro, giant Icarus muskets, claymores, uh, a lot of flamethrowers. Uh, so a, a ton going on. As, so it's not just a concert. It's it's really an experience. It's right? so, really an experience. Yeah, uh, that's a great way to put it. It is just sort of a. Uh, you know, it's not just about the music; it's about the the visual, uh, the visuals, and the overall, you know, kind of impression um, that the experience is supposed to give you. Right, and uh, and of course they're going to play, you know, the the hits that all all the fans like: uh, Two Minutes to Midnight, Number of the Beast, Fear of the Dark, Run to the Hills, you know, a ton of other stuff. And so, I mean, that's pretty cool. I can I want to see Iron Maiden again sometime. It's been it's been years since I've seen them, and they're they're really uh, a great. Um, Live band. Um, they're going to be here September 9th in Sacramento and September 10th in Oakland. What days are those? Do you know? I don't know. I'm supposed to know that stuff. Uh, like in days no. of the week. So you're like, right. are we planning? Are you, you're like, yeah. I would think if if one of those days is on a day that we both have off, maybe we should go. I would buy. I would buy an Iron Maiden shirt and wear it. You would buy the shirt and then wear it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd be a total groupie. Okay. Even right. though I've never you know bought an iron maiden song or album in my life i would do that they are both on days you don't work in so monday and tuesday let's go to both go to <laughs> go to both shows yeah we'll be we'll be uh we'll be groupies we'll okay. follow the tour bus yeah that, that sounds fun <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll go to one show how's that <laughs> okay all right we, we'll hit oakland uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right cool you got a story for us yens I do, but I've lost it. Remind me what story it was. I think it was about Chris Cornell. Yes, but where the heck is it? 
it's Chris Cornell. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Am I blind? Here we go. Sorry. So Chris Cornell. Um, so there's been some talk about, you know, uh, Chris Cornell's doctor. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, shortly following um, uh, Chris's untimely passing. Um, he's being sued. He's being sued over Chris Cornell's death. Um, so this is the story. So Chris's widow, Vicky, has filed a medical malpractice suit against the late Soundgarden singer's doctor, alleging he over-prescribed drugs that eventually caused her husband to commit suicide. Uh, Rolling Stone reports that Vicky's suit against Dr. Robert Coblin claims physician... Uh, claims the physician negligently and repeatedly prescribed Cornell dangerous, mind-altering, controlled substances, which impaired his cognition, clouded his judgment, and caused him to engage in dangerous, impulsive behaviors that he was unable to control, ultimately costing him his life. Oh man, those doctors! I tell you, for all, for the rich people, you know, they'll they'll mm. prescribe whatever, and that is dangerous. They are getting themselves into dangerous territory. It really, really is, and it's not the first time um, people have pointed the finger at the physician, right? I mean, we've lost other big names, uh, also in music, um, yeah. that were related to prescription medication, you know, in the film industry too. So you kind of you kind of wonder there, and uh, you know, it's got to be really hard to be on the doctor side of things too. I mean, these people pay so much money just for malpractice insurance and stuff like that. You know, they're also very, very afraid, you know, that uh, things like this might happen. So anyway, uh, the suit claims Coblin prescribed Cornell over 940 doses of the anti-anxiety drug lorazepam, also known as Ativan, between September 2015 and his death by suicide in May 2017. Wow, that's a lot. At the same, Yeah, yeah. Plus, at the same time, Coblin was prescribing... Cornell oxycodone, uh, uh, though it alleges that the doctor never conducted a medical examination of Cornell performed by any lab studies or clinical assessments. Uh, Vicky Suit alleges that Coblin failed to warn the singer about possible side effects of lorazepam, which include impaired judgment and rational thinking, uh, diminished impulse control, and increased risk of suicide in addiction-prone individuals. Uh, the suit claims Coblin knew Cornell was an addiction-prone individual because Coblin was referred to Cornell through Cornell's therapist for substance abuse. Right, okay. So, so yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get an update. You know, as that uh, that comes forward. But yeah, it's yeah, really unfortunate. That's to, you know, to lose that's someone really like intense. you know. It, what that aside, I just you know, I wish there. You know, this is a blanket statement, but it's just I wish that there was a way that. Um, I mean that the that this could be caught before it gets to this point, right? Because this is mm -hmm. it's happened over a two year period for for Chris Cornell, and you know, not to put any uh, blame on anyone, but where was his widow during this, and why did she allow him to keep seeing that uh, that doctor? Mm -hmm. I mean, exactly right, and and uh, you can you can blame 
you can blame the prescribing physician for, you know, not telling the patient about the side effects. But, I mean, come on, the side effects are are uh, in the material, you know, written down in the material you get from the pharmacist. The pharmacist is supposed to, you know, talk to you about the side effects and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it's tough. You know, death is never a positive and um uh, you know, I think the most common thing is that a lot of people just, you know, they want to blame somebody. They want to take their grief out on something and, and um, you know, in a sense, one has to really take a good look and see if it's justified. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, Jens, we can't wind out an episode of Concert Pipeline, seemingly. I don't want to say it'll never happen, but <laughs> without, without a story on Dave Grohl, right? Ah, Dave Grohl! Yes. That's right. I don't even want to know how many episodes it's been, um, but it's been so many, and we are, you know, just hitting it on every podcast where we just mention a little snippet about Dave Grohl in his life. A little snippet about Dave Grohl, and uh, today, and it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a ritual at this point. Yeah, and so uh, today's little snippet is, uh, you know, about who Dave Grohl would want to play him in a Foo Fighters biopic. Uh, uh, and uh, so everybody wants that, right? And so when he was posed a question on who would play him, uh, he gave an immediate but surprising answer. So, uh, who do you do you have any guesses, Jens, on who uh, David want to play him in a biopic? Uh, okay, so. While he's alive, or like in the future, <laughs> up his I mean, I guess that's a good question, right? Is, this is all speculative. I mean, who knows if it'll if it'll ever happen or anything? But it, this is just conversation. Uh, yeah, is this somebody? Okay, so I'm assuming it's somebody that's currently alive. It's it is somebody that's currently alive. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say. Just based on past, you know, news that we've covered, and I'm probably totally wrong, but I'm going to think about Dave Grohl. I'm going to think about his epic chair. So I'm just going to say, um, Guns N' Roses, dude. Axel? He wants Axel. Yeah, I'm going to say Axel. Okay. Nope, you're wrong. Uh, ah, he, I know it. He's going for Shelley Duvall. What? Uh, he says, "Look, uh, look at uh, like look at Shelley Duvall from The Shining." He said, "She's like, get away from me, get away from me! Like that's me, that's totally me." Uh, so oh my god! That, that was her uh, her biggest claim to fame. She was Wendy Torrance in 1980s The Shining, opposite Jack Nicholson. Um, and uh, I need to pull up a picture right now to get she, that visual. That, that might be challenging as uh, she hasn't acted in almost two decades, but we'd like to see it anyway, right? So, Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember her being in The Shining. Oh, my God, she was. Wasn't she the actress that was also in Popeye? It's, oh, she was she probably was olive oil. She looks. She totally looks like olive oil. Uh, yeah, she was olive oil. And uh, and so he suggested Jack Nicholson plays a uh, drummer. Drummer Taylor Hawkins. Uh, Hawkins said, oh, I, I, "I don't know. Won't they be dead?" I don't mean that. And anyway, so there's no talk of uh, uh, Dave Grohl or Foo Fighters biopic anytime soon. But it's you know. It's good in here. No, he has some ideas. <laughs> this not. is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I have a whole new level of respect for Dave Grohl oh, now. Well, we, we always respect Dave Grohl on this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he does. I mean, I'm looking at a picture right now of 
Shelly in this role with a baseball bat. You know, it's yeah. like I can see her on stage representing Dave Grohl with a baseball bat. Absolutely right. Yeah. So and a knife. That'd be, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, anyway, that's our episode of Concert Pipeline today, uh, for today. So next week, Jens, we have a rarity on the program, and that is an interview that uh, includes Jens Schiphol, right? Yes, absolutely. It's going to be really exciting stuff. Yeah, so we uh, we went and we covered uh, the um, and interviewed the band Armors. They opened for uh, Plain White Tees at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Uh, so we're going to be bringing you that. We'll we'll throw in a, a song from Plain White Tees from their performance as well and talk about uh, do a little review of that show uh, in there um, and. Right now, Jens, we're going to wind us out with one more song uh, from Live in the Vineyard, and this was uh, a, a late add to the, the lineup. It is Rita Wilson. Uh, again, she was on Concert Pipeline earlier in the year. You can go back and check out that episode. Um, but uh, we're going to play one of her uh, songs that she performed called uh, What You See is What You Get. So uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time. 